Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every good conversation happens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride from author to author. We want to give you an experience where you learn and enjoy the conversation. Authors tell you about their journey, you learn about new books, and at the end of the day, you go home with a smile on your face because the Author's Porch is a beacon of light bringing you home to the family you never knew you had. We hope that you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every great conversation happens. And it happens because we trusted Brendan and Vomsey at Master Talk to show us the power of effective communication. We also make sure we have a great cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin, a Christ-centered, veteran-owned coffee company company. Looks like I'm going to mess my words up today. (laughs) Today on the show, we have Heather Widener. How are you doing, Heather? I'm great. Thank you so much, CJ, for having me. This is so exciting. Yeah, thanks for being here. Before we came on live, we were having a great conversation about mystery books and the pandemic being at home and intermingling together and learning about each other. So guys, we're in for a great conversation because we were already getting at it before we even came on live. (laughs) Yeah. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Heather, which I was able to learn about by a little bit of research plus the bio that she shared. So guys, like she has done a lot, like a lot. She is a, um, a former cops kid, mm-hmm. technical writer, editor, college professor, software tester, IT manager. Like, hello. <laughs> like if she can't write a whole book, I don't know what is, <laughs> right? Okay. So she loves vintage, um, she loves vintage trailers and um, vintage trailers and blackmailers is the first of her cozy mystery series so guys she's originally from virginia beach and guess who she loves scooby-doo and nancy drew like look at the scooby-doo behind her right (laughs) and she was telling me that the books behind her is also all mystery books like if that's not research i don't know what it is so heather i'm super (laughs) excited because like when i think of growing up and watching all the um, scooby-doo mystery stories and reading nancy drew and then i saw the cover of your book so if you guys haven't seen the the promo picture oh you got it right there too like i'm like oh my gosh like if that doesn't if that doesn't scream cozy mystery like i love a cozy mystery there's just something about it that it just makes me feel good inside right and what in when you say you are a cops kid as well can you tell us more about like growing up as a cops kid I thought everybody talked about murder and mayhem. I mean, that was dinner conversation. I mean, it wasn't, he didn't go into the details and it wasn't gory, but there was always stupid criminal and true crime cases. And it wasn't until I got to college that I realized people don't talk about this at the dinner table. And he's retired now, but he's still my best source because they're just things you don't want to Google. I mean, I call him all the time. Dad, what's a meth lab smell like? And <gasps> dad, what's the best way to bury a body underwater? And What'll make a hole this big? <laughs> things like that. Wow. You just don't want to Google some of these things. <laughs> yeah, because the FBI might come and find you, right? <laughs> and I would have 
like, it's for a book. It's for a book. <laughs> that is super cool. And now, oops, did you did you read Nancy Drew growing up? I did. That's where I started. It was one of my gateways. Um, I started with Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys and then Agatha Christie and then it just grew and grew and grew. I don't know what happened to my camera. I apologize. I'm going to try to that's okay happened, we'll give you some there. time and i'll talk while you're fixing that for some so reason it blooped out let's see. yeah this again. it happens sometimes technology you know what i'm i was uh the other day um i literally had a whole conversation and it kept myself on mute and i was like oh my goodness what is wrong with me <laughs> so like technology can be our best friend and our worst friend all at the same time so i totally get you there um <laughs> <laughs> and I so, work in IT, so I should be, you know, but it is always, it just, it'll blip for some reason and I can't explain it, but. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up reading Nancy Drew, what, what drew you to those type of stories in particular versus more of your crime thrillers? thrillers. Well, at the time I was in fifth or sixth grade and she had a car and a boyfriend and she had the freedom that she could get out and solve these crimes. And she solved them when the adults couldn't or when the professional, the police did it. And I thought, right. you know, I could do this. I could do this. My dad's a cop. I want to be Batgirl. I could do this. <laughs> so there's always that little Nancy Drew at the back of my head. And it's funny because when I ended up as a software tester, I get to be Nancy Drew every day because when you're testing software, you'll find a bug or an anomaly or something happens. And then you've really got to get in there and figure out what caused this. Was it a fluke or is it something in the code? So that's all. That's my little secret. I get I do get to be Nancy Drew at work. <laughs> <laughs> that is super cool. Sorry if I keep muting myself whenever you're talking, but we're having this massive windstorm and my windows are clanking over here. And I'm like, oh, really? No. Come oh, on, no. wind. Do you not know I'm online right now? We're supposed <laughs> to get the snow and ice tonight. So, we'll Well, I'm in South Texas, so we don't get that type of stuff. We have warm weather, but it decided to be super cold today. And I'm like, out of the three days that we get winter in South Texas, it had to be one day while I was online. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's always right. So let's let's talk about some of the story in your book that you just showed us. Can you share some of the story? Not no spoilers because I love a cozy mystery and I don't want any spoilers. But can you give us some of the background into that? My husband loves restoration projects. He brings home free campers, free boats, cars that have been in a barn somewhere for 20 years. And he does these massive restoration projects, which they're fabulous when they come back when he's done. But when they come the first day, I'm looking at that car or that camper or that boat going, really, that's a boat? But he always works his magic. And that means we watch a lot of DIY and HGTV and Magnolia Network and all the time I'm and so it was just, is it awesome and, and they just are so creative and they come up with these fabulous things uh there was a show of a couple in california and they took vintage trailers and they glamped them up which glamping is glamorous camping which i am not a hike in the woods girl i am a 
oh. let's have a wine chiller and yes. posh amenities, girl. <laughs> like I need, I need a whole trailer. I am not getting it popping up a tent. Oh no, creepy ooh, no. crawlers, creepy crawlers, y'all. No, and he's okay, like, sorry. go to the bathroom in the woods, and you hang your uh -uh. food in a tree, and I'm like. No, uh -uh. no, uh -uh. no. It has to have a bathroom and it has to have a door that locks. <laughs> and I need a TV. Yeah, and, and <laughs> Wi-Fi and books and all kinds. Of, oh, yeah. Lamping. Yeah. And when I started researching them, they do some amazing things. I mean, there are these places that you can rent a yurt. You can rent a tree house. I mean, they're all over. The, they're in wine country. There's a lot in California and Oregon, up and down the coast. So I said, oh, that's perfect because my sleuth needs a job where she's there and there's a lot of people coming and going, but she can't be tied to a desk for 40, 60 hours a week. She needs to be able to get up and go search something or chase somebody down. And I said, I can't ground. That's perfect. This, this is it. So she started out with vintage trailers. And then of course we watched another show on the tiny houses and those things are tiny. Some of them are 400 square feet, but people make them work. I mean, people live in these permanently. And they're so amazing the way that they come up with creative space and, you know, bookcases that rotate and shelves under drawers and under stairs. It's, it was just exciting. So I said, oh, we could have cozy reading nooks in all of these. This will be awesome. So. I think you're on mute. See, I did it again. I did. I do that all the time. This is the thing. Like, put me on mute and I'll forget that I'm on mute and I'll start talking. So, and then I'll wait. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, when, when you were writing the story, did you contact your dad for any parts of this story? I did. There was a, especially the police procedures, procedural okay. parts. And, mm -hmm. They are very, very helpful. And we've got some folks at my church who are in law enforcement and retired law enforcement. And they're great because he's retired now. And, and two of my cousins are still on the police force. So, so they've all been very generous with their time and answering my questions. Because what he used to do with fingerprinting was manual on cards where you get the fingers dirty and yeah. the traditional. It's all scanned now. I mean, everything is yeah. gone digital. So there's a lot of new technology. So during the pandemic, I did go through our, our county's um, Citizens Police Academy. And I learned a lot. That, that was a lot of fun. That's awesome. So like you went full in on the research to make the story oh, yeah, yeah. 100% believable versus just some made up thoughts. I try to. I mean, I don't want to give them the detail. Like if there were a bomb or something, I don't want to give a details on how to build a bomb, but at least yeah. make it believable enough that that kind of thing would do this damage or yeah. um, with this, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but the way that she subdues the killer at the end, I had to do some research on that because I'm like, will this really work? Is this plausible? Can, can this really happen? Yeah, <laughs> so. absolutely. So is Cozy Mystery the only genre that you write in? No, my first series is the Delaney Fitzgerald series, and she's a private investigator. So they don't really consider her a cozy. It's light and funny like the others, but uh, she is law enforcement or quasi law enforcement. So she has like a professional background. So her those are a little edgier and she gets into a little bit grittier scenes. But the cozy has the crime, but it the gore is off camera. You don't read the 
how many times the person was stabbed or, you know, the blood spatter and things like that. You just know that the person is injured or or killed and she has a dark away. And I like the bringing in the dog. We have a Jack Russell Terrier and this named Bijou and um, they have folks on site that do glamorous brunches. So I try to pull recipes from things that they would serve at the place and little, little things about, uh, the Charlottesville and the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. So I read in your bio that you have Jack Russell Terrier. So is the Jack Russell in the book after kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Bijou, she's on the cover. I don't know if you can see her. She's in the very corner of the of the, oh. the camper. But she looks like my female Jack Russell, their brother, sister. And where she's wonderful and happy and she wants to greet everybody he wants to go into attack mode and kill all the squirrels in our yard and chase them away and chase the amazon guy away and that's so funny they have different personalities yeah i i know a lot of people that have parents in in fields that are such strong fields like law enforcement military medical those lawyer those type of high profile fields their children sometimes follow them in those fields my children didn't follow me in the military field (laughs) but um so what did you ever think of following your father into the law enforcement field i did for a while and i still think it would really be interesting to be on the forensic side of it and the investigative Mm -hmm. side growing up in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s with him being a police officer i can't tell you how many eggs i scraped off the police car and you know people's attitudes about law enforcement have changed throughout the years and a lot of times these guys and gals don't get the recognition that they deserve i can't tell you how many toys and clothes and things that we had that he made sure that people who needed it got it I mean, they, he started a program for inner city kids at the beach with horses where they could go in and help with the police horses. I mean, these are kids that live in the suburbs. They've never had a horse or been in around anything like that. So I grew up with law enforcement and it never occurred to me to be afraid of a police officer. So that makes me very sad when I hear people say that, that, oh, I don't trust law enforcement. And Mm -hmm. there are some really good people out there and they care and they, they, they want to help. Yeah. Yeah. And in the seventies, eighties and nineties was some the most prolific serial killer. That time period was the, that's when all of the prolific serial killers that I can remember, I know there was other ones, but the ones that I know of, not personally. I almost said personally, but then I thought that is a horrible thing to say. I did, details. <laughs> I did not know any of them. I mean, the ones that I know from television, um, that's the time period that they were active and they were doing their things. And that's when the police, the law enforcement had the most horrific time of their careers. And they had to go through a lot Um I mean, talk about the wars that the military went through with Desert Storm and Iraq and Afghanistan. Well, the 70s, 80s and 90s were the law enforcement's time of their wars and their gory time. So did any of, are you an only child or do you have brothers and sisters? Not a sister. And neither of us, it's funny, neither of us went into that field. But I guess growing up to... This was pre-cell phone. I mean, they had pagers at 
you know, at the end, what before I went to college and things like that. But when he got called out in the middle of the night, I didn't know if he got hurt or if something mm. happened. And I had to go to school the next day. And, th and that was traumatic growing up, yeah. not knowing, wait, he's on the SWAT team. They went out and they're, you know, they've been on call for 24 hours with this situation. And, and at the beach, sometimes people act differently on vacation than they would normally. So you never know. And one time we went up to the video store, which those are the cassettes that we used to rent. <laughs> yeah. Blockbuster. Exactly. Hey. This is free blockbuster. We went in one day and as we were coming out, this kid came flying out of the A&P grocery store with the manager chasing him and he had robbed the store. So my sister and I ended up in the police station sitting in you know the lobby waiting while he booked this guy. So that happened two or three times during yeah. my childhood. Yeah. The whole family serves when it comes to, yeah. you know, law enforcement and and us as military we exactly. look at law enforcement as paramilitary they're part of our family so definitely understand um so but i mean you you still kind of went into the field because you decided to write about um those type of things and i i find it fascinating because it, it became a part of your world in one way or another and i love that you're you're bringing those stories you talk about dogs so i have my mm -hmm. my little doggies here and you can hear them crying a little Aww. bit in the background because they i write about mine but in children's books because they're crazy and wild and they they think that um they have to go on adventures all the time mm -hmm. so <laughs> so what what made you want to become an author what point in your life did becoming an author say come into your brain and say this is going to be a career part for me I think it was just kind of a natural progression from being a reader. I mean, I got my first library card at four and I still have it. I mean, <laughs> it was just the best thing ever. These people are going to let me take books home. And it was just so cool. So I thought, you know, I could write these maybe. And my first was Share a Lot Bones. And it was for seventh grade. And it was a dog who was Sherlock Holmes and he solved crimes. So I guess it started early. And then I've got the, you know, the horrible poetry that you write in high school. That's still in a drawer somewhere. But <laughs> I've got mine in a plastic bag talking about my heartbreak and my oh. love. Oh, my God. We were so traumatic, weren't we? I know. And it, it was so heartfelt and it was beautiful. And now I read it and went, oh, what were you thinking? Yeah. Publish that. Yeah. <laughs> it's in a drawer. <laughs> I know. I don't even know. Like my husband now we've been married. Going, uh, we just hit nine years in November. I don't even know if he's ever read it, yeah. but he would probably look at me like, oh. <laughs> I would have never dated you back then. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Oh, it's not that... And with publishing, as you know, you're not really writing for today's world. I mean, by the time this book gets published, it could be one, two or three years in the future. Very true. And so it's like, what's going to be popular? You know, do I put the pandemic in there or is everybody going to be tired of it by that point? Nobody wants to say, or do we want to say it was in the history and move on? Or And the same with politics, because things do change and mm -hmm. Uh, even like naming of things because I've named stores or I've referenced things and then something has happened in history, like the person passed away or, you know, the mm -hmm. show got canceled or <laughs> things like that. So there's always some yeah. revisions. Yeah. And, and it's crazy because there have been books that no one ever paid attention to, but then later, years later, they come 
And it's like, wow, that book was written and nobody realized how important that book important. was mm -hmm. until years later. Like, um, there's one now, How to Think and Grow Rich. Like, everybody's reading it now. But Dale Carnegie, and all, I think I have it, I may be quoting it wrong. But it was written back in the 1920s or 30s. But now, it like, everybody's reading that book. And Imagine, it so it's, you know. Yeah. Can you imagine like 50 years from now, your book hits, like hits, and you're like, great. <laughs> hey, I'll be fine. That would be awesome. That would, yeah. I, I get excited when, you know, somebody reads it and says, hey, I really like this. Or, and sometimes they'll come back with character ideas. This character should marry that character or this person should date that person or things like that. So it's. It's always fun to see because I try to be minimalistic in my descriptions. I don't do a lot of detail. I mean, you may get that her hair color or her height or, you know, something like that. But mm. I want you to imagine because that's the fun part of reading for me is yeah, I have a vision of what these folks look like and act like. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I see some authors that over describe um and then I, it, the book becomes so inundated with descriptions that it takes 20 pages to tell five minutes of the story so what do you think is the right amount of description i like them to get a, a unique feel for each character something quirky or a habit or a look or you know she has uh, her hairstyle is very well maintained and quaffed and she's just very prissy or, you know, she has wild hair and she can't control it. And that's me because the curls just do their own thing. And <laughs> yeah. so I, I like to give them that kind of hint into their personality and their look, but you're right. The Victorian days of writing, you know, 400 pages of description. It's like, mm, that, that's a lot for me. And sometimes I, I have trouble slogging through it when it's too detailed. So I, I try to keep it to a minimum. Yeah, I think a lot of people's attention span these days have also become very short. Um, I mean, there's still a lot of people out there that love classical literature, but it's very few, far and few between, unfortunately. So you have to write to your audience. And a lot of people are losing that aspect of it. So I think it's very important to understand your current audience and who you're writing to. Uh, I'll write, you know, her bun, you know, her bun was taught tight or whatever, uh, just like her personality or something like that. Then people will get that. They'll be like, oh, she's, she's very um, uptight mm -hmm. <laughs> type of That's thing. That's perfect. I've got this librarian, fussy teacher, somebody image in my head of, yep. Yeah. Very high strung and she's very. Yeah. <laughs> so how has the authoring um, process been for you? Um, are you indie published or are you traditionally published? Both, both. Um, okay. Some early things that were traditionally published, I have my rights back, so I re-released those. So those are those are. So I'm a hybrid. Um, right now, both of my new series, the vintage, the glamping, the vintage trailers, that's with Level Best Books, and they bought my other series that's going to come out next in 2023. It's the Mermaid Bay Christmas Shop Mysteries. So that one's set at a beach in Virginia. Very cool. So excited. It, it's different with the, when you have a publisher, I mean, you have the resources that they have and which is fabulous. The, you know, the reach that they have and their background and their marketing 
what they have. Uh, when you're indie, you're on your own. So you either have to do it yourself or you have to hire it out and find somebody to do your marketing or your website or your formatting or your book covers. And it's a lot. Um, there's pros and cons to each. Um, people that like full control of everything, indie publishing is awesome because it's you. <laughs> you're in charge. Yeah. It, it's a lot. Like you, you've got to be a whole business like you have to run it like a business it can't be just fun and creative I mean the writing the book can be creative but you can't once it's written business mode 100% and if you can't take that mindset then it's going to be very hard to be successful um, but yeah so it's it's hard and it's like so, what I have to do sales tax and now I have to get a thing for my to take credit cards and now I have to do this yeah it's, yeah, it's a lot definitely um what would be the best piece of advice you could give to an author who has either written their first book or is about to write their first book be persistent it is a business just like you just said it is a business um, sometimes the rejections you get aren't because of your writing. It's they already have a cat mystery or they already have a sleuth that does that thing that you're doing. So it could be anything. It could be, um, we're only going to put out two books this year. So sorry, we've already filled that quota for the year. So it could be lots of different things. So you have to be persistent. And if you believe in it, you've got to work. It is work. You have to build your platform. You have to get your followers, get your website. Uh, get people that are interested, sign up for your mailing list. Then you've also got to hone your craft. So you've got to practice. You've got to get beta readers, find a critique partner, because that's the only way that you get better is to listen to real feedback. Because I love my mom. And when she reads it, she always says, it's wonderful, sweetie, which that makes me feel really good that I get a good compliment. But you do need those beta readers and those folks that are, are going to be honest with you. She ate lunch three times in that chapter. What is she doing? You know, her eyes were blue in chapter two and now they're green in chapter seven. You got to fix that. So you, you do need that strong critique partner that can help you out and help you hone your skills. Absolutely. So what is your oops upcoming projects that you have? I'm sorry. I, th I think we broke up a little bit. What projects do you have coming up? Oh, the pandemic. I don't want to wish a pandemic on anybody, but being at home, I didn't have to do almost a two hour commute both ways to work. So I said at the beginning, I'm going to use my commute time and my lunch hour to write. And I've been very prolific since I can do that every day. So that's two, three, three hours a day that I've been writing. Wow. So I finished the fourth book in the Delaney series. I finished the three in the Glamping series. So Film Cruise and Rendezvous comes out this October. So Hollywood comes to Fern Valley. And I don't know if that little one light stoplight town is ever going to be the same. And then I wrote three books in the Mermaid Bay series. So I'm really excited wow. about the Christmas shop. So and two short stories. So it, it was very prolific. And that was my experiment because it took me five years to write my very first book. And then it took another two to get published. So mm -hmm. I said, all right, I'm going to try with just writing every day consistently and see what happens. And it, it worked for me. It worked. Congratulations. That's amazing. Now, where can people reach you if they want to grab a copy of your book, uh, book you for a show and or just have a conversation? Oh, awesome. I am at heatherweidner.com. And that's just my name. I'll put it in the chat in just a second. Okay. And um, 
you can contact me there. The books are available at your favorite book retailer, indie and big stores. And I'd love to hear from you if you want to drop me a note. See, okay. I'll, put that, I'll put that here. I'll give you a few moments to put that in the chat, but we've come to the part of the show where you get the last words. I take myself off the screen and anything that we did not cover during the chat, you get to cover and I'll make sure that, uh, well, you'll be able to make sure that your audience, viewers, family, friends, and fans are able to hear it directly from you. So if you're ready, I'll go ahead and hand the show over to you. Thank you. Yeah, here you go. I think maybe my second biggest piece of advice, or it, it may tie along with the first one for people that want to be writers or who are hoping to be writers, is to find your crew. Find the folks that help you. Uh, I found Sisters in Crime, and that was amazing. They have so many resources. They have people who are willing to help, who are, give advice, offer help. Uh, suggestions, partnerships. So it is so amazing. I'm also in James River Writers and International Thriller Writers. You need to find groups of writers who are in your genre that can help you with critique and your craft and marketing and business and they can give you references. And it's also awesome for things like events and book signings. You don't have to do them by yourself. You can find people that would be willing to to go to a book signing with you or to support each other. So it is amazing. My writer friends are so generous with their time and their energy and their support that 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 is the best thing that has come out of uh, my writing career because writing is very solitary. You're at home, whether you're journaling or writing poetry or writing a novel. And then when you're ready to release it to the world, it is, it's, it's scary and you get comments and people are going to talk to you and you have to treat it like a business. So it, it, it really does help to have that, those resources. So look for groups in your genres, whether they're local or online, because you'll find the support that you need and and happy writing. And if you believe in it, keep writing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Heather, for being with us here today. I've had a great conversation and I love cozy mysteries. They're my favorite ones to read. Um, if I'm going to read a mystery, it's a cozy mystery because oh, I just makes me feel good inside. Like Nancy drew, like when the movie, the new age movie, Nancy drew came out, I was like flocking to watch that because it just, I don't know. It's just something about making me feel, remember my childhood, you know? So I appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much. I enjoyed talking to you. Awesome. Guys, don't forget to come back each week and watch us either live or the podcast right here on Facebook. You can also ask Siri or Alexa to play the latest episode. Head to our website, catch the latest issue of the magazine. It came out January 1st. It's available on Amazon and you can read free for on Kindle Unlimited. We want to continue making authors dreams come true by providing them a platform to shine. We will see you guys next week. If you appreciate conversations, like we do and want to become a better speaker our friends brendan and bomsey are at mastertalk.ca where they teach you how to use the power of your voice don't forget to stay awake with a nice cup of coffee from third day coffee seguin the best cup of coffee on this side of heaven they are at thirddaycoffeeseguin.com until next time my friends i'm cj this is heather go read her books and write on. Bye, everybody. Bye, Heather. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. The Author's Forum is a certified veteran-hosted podcast. Show your support 
Tune in, share, and subscribe.